Welcome back to Russell Street Replay, a podcast that recaps every Baltimore Ravens game by handing out awards and superlatives to various players and plays from each week. With me today is the Russell Street Report's Ronald Tooth. Ron, thanks so much for joining me once again. Oh, my pleasure to be here, man. You know, uh, rough day overall for all of us yesterday in hindsight when you look at everything that happened. But, you know, we're still here and we're still eight and four. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And so that kind of that kind of brings me into my, my big question. And, and I guess let's start with the unfortunately kind of negative outlook on this, which is, you know, with Marlon Humphrey out and, and that's a huge loss for the defense. Patrick McCarry out probably going to be a couple weeks, according to John Harbaugh. What is your realistic expectation for this team for the rest of the season? Well, you know, it, it's kind of tough on this, too, because, you know, all of us at Russell Street Report, we cover the Ravens. We write for them. We try our best to be objective about it. But at the end of the day, we're all fans of the team, you know. So from that aspect, you know, you're, you're always gunning for, you know, oh, we want to win the Super Bowl no matter what until you're eliminated from things. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you have to be realistic with your expectations. And, you know, losing Marlon Humphrey, losing Patrick McCary, which – I would put those as a lot closer in importance to each other than you would think just looking at the players, you know, themselves in terms of talent level, just because, I mean, we saw what happened with Tyree Phillips yesterday when McCary went out of the game, it wasn't pretty. And granted it was TJ Watt against him, but overall, yeah, you, you hope for the best, but right now, you know, get, win the division, maybe get in a wild card game, win a playoff game or two. But we'll just say expectations are much lower than they were a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I think even as recently as beating the Browns, even as recently as last week, I was pretty much ready for us to win this week. And especially after the Chargers beat the Bengals, really hoping to take a two game lead in the division. That would give us a really good shot at, at least making a wild card. But losing this game and losing Humphrey for the season, you know, we have we have some tough wide receivers on our schedule the rest of the year. We have arguably the two best in the league right now, Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, still on the schedule. We have a rematch with the Steelers and the Bengals and the Browns still. Uh, and, I mean, that's the rest of our schedule. And so, you know, do I think we'll lose to the Bengals twice before losing Marlon? No. Now, it's tough to say how we're going to defend. T. Higgins has looked really good. As we all know, Jamar Chase is really good. And it's just tough to – it's tough to see how this team can win many of those games. I, I think going, I think uh, losing out would be extreme. I would be really surprised if this team lost out. We are too well coached. And frankly, we've just been to, through too much this season to be defeated like that fully. It's possible, but I just can't see that happening. But I have no idea which games we could pull out. Everything is going to be tight. You know, as, as it's been this season, it's going to continue to be tight. One of the things that I, I expect is, I still think we can make the playoffs. I still think that, you know, with how weak the AFC is, how much these teams are beating each other up and how no one seems to be consistent at all, that's going to open up a lot of room for even some of the, you know, closer to the bottom teams to play with realistic spoiler over the last two games of the season. Who knows what could happen when you get to that point? When everyone's fighting for a playoff spot, you just you just don't know. It's going to be tough to hold off the Bengals, but we still have a one game lead on them. And that is huge to have a one game lead on them, because, yeah, obviously we've had to be on our best game every game to win. The Bengals are going to have to try and catch up and they can't afford to drop games like they did the Chargers anymore. Yeah. And when you look at the five teams that are left on the schedule, 
right now you would you would think winning two two of the last five as long as they're both divisional games should be enough to at the very least get you in the playoff probably to win the division unless Cincinnati just really rips it up from here on out um and if Cincinnati is one of those wins like even better I think I think it's I think it's going to be hard to beat the Browns next week I, I really think that going into that game after the Steelers game it is either going to be a huge bounce back performance or we're, we're going to lose a tight one is kind of what I'm thinking. And then I, I don't see us losing to the Steelers in that last game. If the playoffs are on the line, I don't think the playoffs would be on the line for the Steelers as much as they'd love to play spoiler to us. I just can't see it. And I guess that's part of like me and my heart as a fan saying that, but kind of moving to a positive note, you know, at a certain point, our, one of our colleagues tweeted actually just before we started recording Dev Funkschwag you know, retweeted that, you know, basically we just need to enjoy the ride from here on out. It's, it's kind of been the attitude this season, but as we entered this week, there was kind of a feeling that we could make a run in this AFC. And now no Humphrey doesn't feel that way anymore. What kind of things are you excited to see from this team for the rest of the season? Well, I'm definitely excited to see, I don't, I mean, uh, pensively excited, I guess we'll see. We'll say in terms of how the defense responds to losing, I mean, their number one leader right now. This could be either a moment that brings them all together and they all start to play maybe a little bit over their heads, you know, a little better than they have been, or it could be a death blow. You know, I, I don't know if I see it being somewhere close or in the middle of that either. I think it's either going to be one or the other. And the defense has, I mean, you know, in a quarter when you give up or a second half where you give up a lot of big plays like they did yesterday, it's it gets overshadowed. But the defense hasn't been horrible the last few weeks. On the contrary, they've actually been playing their best football all year. So, I mean, losing Humphrey's big, but we'll see how they're able to respond to that. Yeah, I would say basically since the second half of the Vikings game, this defense has been virtually lights out. It really hurts to give up 17 points in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, they just weren't getting any help from their offense they're either in and you keep getting put out on the field. That's tough. We've seen that. We've seen the Ravens do that before. And so, you know, I totally agree. I think, you know, we, we might, we're going to see a lot of blitzes from wing from here on out. That is something that's just going to be a necessity because you can't necessarily trust our corners to just hold routes for that long. And so I think that's going to be interesting to just kind of see Owen Bowser unleashed a little bit. I think they've, they've done so much this season playing the run and, and even dropping into coverage. They're going to be unleashed a little bit. And offensively, look, this is a this is a put up or shut up time for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, I think he he had a really good stretch of the season. This has been a really bad stretch of the season. I'm curious to see if we can just see him settle down and just play with some consistency for the rest of the year. Just establish kind of a base level that you want. We want you to build off of. We want him to build off of going into next season. You know, clearly. I don't know what it is, but something's up, right? He, he's just been off. It could be remnants of illness, missing so many practices, things like that. Uh, but I, I also think that we've seen people doubt Lamar before. We've seen Lamar with his back up against the wall before, and he usually comes through for the Ravens. Uh, and it might be, it's going to be hard for him to single-handedly do everything, but I also don't think that we're going to see Lamar kind of tuck tail and run for the rest of the season. No, and it's tough though, because you almost he doesn't have to do all of it. The re, him putting all of this on his shoulders of saying I have to do all of this is what leads to moments like that interception on the first drive yesterday. He's got to understand that 
even though everything around them is crumbling and, you know, more responsibility does fall on him as the MVP of the team. That doesn't mean every single play has to be all or nothing. He's got to rein it in, especially with the turnovers. I mean, eight over his last four games, very few of them you could say weren't his fault either. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's just making atrocious throws right now. And at the very least, he's got to figure out how to turn that around. Yeah. And I think, I guess, I guess I'm, 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 I'm curious to see how he responds now that this is clearly a repeated problem, right? Uh, against the, against the Browns, it was just passing from a clean pocket and he couldn't hit his targets against the dolphins. It was, they threw a lot of really good looks at him. And I just don't think our, anyone on our team was ready for that. And against the Steelers, it was the fade back and try and scramble and find someone. Now, these are all holes in the offense, and, and part of that is personnel, but part of it is Lamar's got to just stay calm. Uh, this is something I've talked about with Patrick Queen all year is just confidence. And I know he said yesterday he's still confident, but, you know, I don't understand if his confidence was a little shaken after the last few games. I, I get it. He's human. Uh, but he's got to remember, and, and the team, I'm sure, is going to work on, is going to make sure and remind him that he's the MVP. He, he is still this franchise's franchise quarterback. He is still a, a top elite player in this league. And I think if he just trusts himself to make his plays early, it seems like he's not as confident in his early reads on, on, on passing plays. He's not as confident and he, that's taking him a long time to get the ball out. As a result, he's getting sacked. He has to fade back and, and do all that in the backfield that, that gets us nothing. It's confidence, uh, I think, is a big part of it. Yeah, I'd also... I'd also like to see him take off a little more in these situations where it almost feels at times like he's kind of like hell bent on proving that he can do it from the pocket where it feels like he's playing too carefully in his, let me think of how to put it. You know, he's calculated, but he's also, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to explain it. I know I'm sounding like a dingus here trying to put the words together, but I've seen it. I've seen it bounced around a little bit that you can't play from the pocket, scramble for a first down and extend plays behind the line of scrimmage all at the same time. Yeah, it is. It is that first, first decision. And, and, you know, whether it's his first making that first read and that first throw, or it's just quickly realizing there's nothing downfield and the pass rush is coming and you got to go. Exactly. It's it's all about making that decision quicker and not trying to hold out as long as you can to get the best possible result on each play. Because that's that's mm-hmm. ultimately what he's trying to do. He is trying to preserve as many options as he can for as long as he can so that the Ravens can get the most yards on every play that they can. And that is a noble pursuit. And I totally get why a guy with his skills would try and do that. But at a certain point, you have to understand that not everything around you is the way it's always been. You don't have a blue chip offensive line, you know, yeah, the receivers, I haven't watched enough of the film yet to really say, but it seemed like they struggled to get open as, as, as in comparison to as well as they had earlier this year. And so he's got to be willing to make those adjustments and stick to them. It's all about making that first decision and going. Well, he's, I mean, he's got a receiver that can get open. It's only, he played about 45% of the snaps yesterday. And I'm sure yeah, we'll talk about we'll, that as we, you know, progress later into the show here, but that's for it. sure. And on that note, we can get into our weekly categories. Some of these were kind of tough, but even of the game, you know, I, I felt like the defense played well, but not one player really stood out all game for me. Um, and, and then on offense, it was, 
very eh. I had Hollywood was just solid. He was consistently catching his targets. Sammy Watkins was big in the clutch on that final drive as he has been for us earlier this season. I want to say Andrews because of all the grit he showed throughout the game. He was so close to converting that two-point conversion, but he also had a drop or two that were just maddening to me. They were they were good passes. Lamar actually hit him and he just dropped the ball. So that has to stay an honorable mention. So I think we might have to do a first on this show. I, I almost want to give this to Harbaugh for, for a couple reasons. One, the challenge. Uh, the challenge early on in that game to overturn the catch. I usually am so afraid when Harbaugh challenges because I feel like he loses more of his challenges way more than he wins. But he won that challenge. He made a good call. And that was key. That shut down that drive, basically. Um, I felt like he has been kind of the, the guy holding the team together mentally and emotionally through all of this uh, with, with guys going out. He is, he is the one who is, yeah, making a decision on who comes in, but also talking to his guys and keeping them up. And he, he deserves all of the props in the universe for the, for the two-point decision, um, which I think we – could probably i guess break down now since we're talking about harbaugh um i'm fully behind it It, that there's a reason why i didn't want to put it in head scratchers because it wasn't a head scratcher to me at all what are your takes on the two point i guess before we go any further well i definitely like the call uh i actually i totally in for having harbaugh be the raven of the week i I was thinking just more player centric but yeah that was a great challenge in the beginning of the game uh the call was correct the play call was correct as well it was just Not a good, I mean, we can argue about whether it was the throw was off. Obviously, you know, Andrew, he had to fit it around Watt to get it to Andrews. Could Andrews have brought it in with one hand? I mean, you know, I guess we'll never really know the answer because it's just going to be a debate. But yeah, I love the call. Uh, We, the explanation, it, it was right there. I mean, the proof was in the pudding. Marlon had just gone down. The corners situation was rough at best. I mean, they had scored on their, what, last three possessions at that point? We gave up 17, I think 17 points in the fourth quarter. The Steelers were averaging almost seven and a half yards of play. I mean, the defense couldn't stop anything. And Marlon, and that was with Marlon in pretty much that whole time. And mm-hmm. then he goes out. It's only going to get worse. And you're basically, you know, taking, to me, it was, you take a 50-50 shot. No guarantee the offense season scores, but basically a 50-50. Mm-hmm. Or... Our offense has to get two yards to win the game. And I feel like in almost any situation, I would I want this offense on the field to try and get two yards to win the game. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Uh, one, one other mention I did have for Raven of the game, though, was Devontae Freeman. Almost 100 yards from offense. He had the touchdown. He had five catches. He was, I mean, every week more and more. I know we keep saying it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he's just, with every week that passes, he is the only one that has steadily gotten better each and every every week. Yeah, and I, I have to say, he, he's a guy I kind of want back next year. I think Cap and, and what he wants financially is going to be the only question. But the fact that we were willing to take a shot on him when no one else was, maybe that helps us out. Maybe he's willing to stick around for another year because I think as a third – I mean, yeah, he'd still be a third running back behind Dobbins and Edwards, but those guys are going to be coming off torn ACLs. You know, I don't want to run him into the ground right away. I want them there for the long haul. And so Freeman being able to reliably not just come in and pass block like Justice Hill, but do everything in this offense, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I guess Harbaugh, we'll, we'll give our first Raven of the game to him. I just, I, I couldn't stand all of the hate about the two-point call. It just makes too much sense. 
even even without the injury on that drive, I was thinking to myself, look, if they score here, I think we should go for two. I, I'd rather win or lose this game on on trying to get two yards with this offense because at the end of the day, I trust this offense to get two yards most of the time. They yeah. did it against the Chiefs, and it worked. You got to take the good with the bad. This The literal second that Watkins caught the touchdown, I, I was sitting in here in my living room like a dummy throwing up the two. Like, yep. I'm the coach. I'm like, no, go for it. Like, yep. end it now. Every time because you, you just – you can't – overtime is not something you want to do with away – when you're in Heinz field, I don't want to go to overtime. That, that place was already all pumped up in the fourth quarter and you're just going to inject more adrenaline. It's just dangerous. And I think Harbaugh made the right call, even though it didn't work out and the play call. I don't know if Harbaugh, I would imagine Roman made the play call and the play call was beautiful. It's just a game of inches sometimes mm-hmm. moving on to unit of the game. So this one was kind of tough too. Cause I don't, I didn't feel like any one unit performed really well. Uh, the running backs, but maybe only qualifying if they're pass catching out of the backfield. Freeman ran okay, but we didn't see Murray or, or Nate McCrary run at all. But Murray and Freeman, they were catching passes and scooting down the field. I mean, they bouncing off defenders, cutting through holes. It was it was actually driving the Steelers fans nuts because they just couldn't bring down our running backs after all these checkdowns. It looked like Joe Flacco passed into Ray Rice. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's got to be debilitating when you do this great job with your coverage in the secondary and there's Latavius Murray catching passes out of the backfield going for 10, 15 on you. That, that's got to be a rough deal. Yeah. And then the other unit I wrote down was just the middle linebackers. I felt like they were the most consistent part of our defense. They were making tackles. I don't think Queen or Bynes missed a tackle all game. Christian Welch was also uh, Christian Welch and Chris Board were pretty solid in the, in the few snaps they played as well. Um, and then, you know, they, they didn't blow anything in coverage. I felt like a lot of the, the crossers that Ben was able to hit, they were on one side of the field or the, or the other and other and deeper. It wasn't really responsible uh, or sorry, queen and Bynes weren't really responsible for those plays. And in a defense that just had a lot of holes, I felt like they just kind of maintained. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I, my nomination was the interior defensive line, just because, you know, you look at Najee Harris's stat line yesterday, 3.4 yards a carry on 21 carries. Najee's the kind of guy where as the game goes along, that's where he gets you when he, when they grind you down and it's just, Oh, here he comes again. But to their credit, they stood tough. Brandon Williams had six tackles yesterday. Campbell had a big sack at one point. So they really held down the fort and, uh, they've been playing better as well over the last two weeks. So they would probably be my nomination. Yeah. And I think, I think that speaks to, you know, Williams coming back in and I think it was big for him to get healthy. I think there's kind of a trend. He does get injured a lot and he needs to be fully healthy. He's just that kind of player. Sometimes when you're just that big, you know, if you have something, especially lower body bothering you, you've got all your weight on an injury and that's hard for your body to maintain in those games. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm props for the defensive line, you know, being able to contain. I didn't even realize Harris only had 71 yards. It just felt like he was getting more maybe because he was gashing, at the, gashing us at the end of the game. But for most of the game, you know, we held down what is a, usually a pretty good rushing attack. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to play of the game. Again, this one I really focused on offense because the defense was – solid but didn't make any highlights and the big thing was I wanted to talk about here was just again the lack of turnovers dropping interception I don't know if anyone really dropped a really easy interception but it would be really nice if our guy if our defenders could just bring down a ball like it seems like we have so many opportunities that they're not necessarily easy plays to make and I understand they're defensive backs they're not wide receivers but 
man, you guys play football. I just wish they could bring down one of those turnovers because that's a huge thing that's changed between our defense um, of this year and the last few years. It's just the lack of turnovers. Yeah. And as Ravens fans, we've kind of been spoiled in that regard over the last few years, just because it used to be, you know, so many of them. And, but now, I mean, it's, it's gone from the complete one end of the spectrum to the other. And the one time we do get an interception yesterday, it's called back for a hold. So that, that was pretty rough as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, you can't always count on Odafe Owe to force a fumble. There's got to be some other way for us to generate turnovers. And I, it's just, sometimes it's just about being able to reel in those tip drills and maybe it's, it's tough. That's a tough thing to work on when there are other parts of your defense that you do need to work on. But at the same time, I feel like that should be some kind of a point for emphasis because those can be game changing plays when they work out. Yeah. And that just speaks to not having Marcus Peters this year. I mean, that that's literally what he bases his game on. Mm -hmm. And even you can't focus when it's just Marlon out there with Averett on the other side, it's much easier to just target Averett and, you know, go at him as opposed to when Marcus is out there, not only is he the threat, but there's more fit, more, uh, you know, more opportunities going Marlon's way. Whereas, you know, now it's just, okay, don't throw to the guy that Marlon Humphrey's covering and we'll just, we'll gash him other ways. So it's kind of, kind of before Marlon's injury kind of like inhibited him that way a little bit as well. Yep. Uh, but, but moving on to the actual plays of the game, uh, the Andrews Jackson connection this in the second quarter of the first touchdown was just kind of that vintage Jackson Andrews that we'd been looking for that I feel like we had been we'd been missing consistently all season. He's been hitting him on a lot of these these option out routes um, underneath, but not on a lot of these deeper crossers that they used to be successful on so much in the past. Uh, the Sammy Watkins touchdown was probably Lamar's best pass of the day. I mean, he just stayed in the pocket. He looked across the field and he put a put some really nice touch on that throw and, and Watkins made a tough catch. Um, but there are two plays that, you know, I think were better qualifies plays of the game in, in a game like this. One was the fake end around to Devin DuVernay and handoff to Devonta Freeman that got, I think us 10 or 12 yards, mm-hmm. gorgeous play design. Roman had talked about some plays being in the vault with DuVernay and that clearly worked as a little bit of a misdirection as, Fakes to DuVernay worked more than once in this game. And that one was a particularly cool play design with DuVernay coming behind Jackson, Jackson faking the handoff to him, but really giving it to Freeman to go up the middle. Worked really well, was blocked really well. Uh, And those kind of plays, I think are going to need, we're going to need them for the rest of the season to just catch the defense off guard. And the other one I want to talk about was Mark Andrews fighting for the first down. I think it was in the second quarter, but I can't remember exactly when, you know, yes, he had the drop. But it broke my heart after this game when he blamed himself for not reeling in that two-point conversion because that pass was just out of his reach. Maybe he should have been in a slightly different spot, but it, it broke my heart to see him blame himself when he, he puts it all out there on the field every single week. And he's one of those guys who is consistent and just kind of embodies the Raven tight end spirit that we've come to grow and love, uh, know and love over the seasons. Yeah. And in Andrew's case in particular, and all, all the players on the offense, it, there, there is no shortage of accountability. Like they'll be the first ones to tell you when, you know, they'll even tell you when it wasn't their fault, that it was their fault. And I think that speaks a, to the maturity of a lot of the young guys on the team and B to the, uh, the, how close this core group unit is of, you know, they're never going to put it on each other. It's always going to be, you know, I could have done better. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, it, that, that was amazing. I actually, I tweeted after, uh, after he did it, I was just, man, Mark Andrews is such a beast. Uh, we pretty much dragging three defenders to pick up the first down. It was, it was awesome. And to go back to that uh, first play you mentioned, it was very almost Chiefs-esque, you know what I mean? With uh, the receiver coming around in motion, the handoff inside, it was really pretty. Our, uh, our little Ravens group chat had a lot of fun with that one. Hopefully that's, you know, we'll see more of that over the coming weeks in this vault that Greg Roman has. You know, we'll see how much, uh, how much more that thing gets busted open. I think my play of the game would have had to be the Watkins touchdown just because of in terms of what it meant, what it could have meant. It was a great route by Watkins. It actually reminded me a little bit of uh, the, the Duvernay touchdown against Minnesota a few weeks ago. Not obviously it was in the back of the end zone. His was a little, you know, more uh, in the front and center, but the way you kind of weave through like three defenders, it was like he was weaving through traffic and just, you know, planted right there. And Lamar again, put a great throw on him. So that would have been my call, but uh, a lot, there are still some promising things in this game overall. Yeah. Yeah. And I think plays like plays like that, that fake, that kind of tricky play is something that I think we can look forward to maybe even more next season. I, I personally hope we don't fire Greg Roman. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about that all season. I, I just don't think that there is someone that could do better right now. I'm not sure. And I don't know a lot about all the different potential candidates out there, but I'm not sure there's anyone that I'd want running this offense. Um, get, I, I think after, a, after another off season, I think this offense could still really be there um, with, with him as uh, with him as the offensive coordinator, especially if he's able to kind of develop a, a, just a more tricky, harder to predict set of plays. That's the biggest thing with Roman. I feel like sometimes is predictability. And if he can just be, just get better with misdirecting defenses, not just by putting someone in motion every single play, but by coming up with, you know, clever play designs, things that he's done in the past, uh, just more consistently. I, I think it could be interesting to see what the Ravens can do because they have a lot of interesting weapons. Lamar chief among them, but Hollywood Duvernay as, as guys who can run faster than most defenders. I think they have some interesting options. The only thing that concerns me about Roman and, and hopefully we didn't lose half of our listeners in, in your support of him, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, the only thing that concerns me about Roman is the track record in his history. When you look at the places he's been, whether it's San Francisco, Buffalo, it's always really good right away. And then teams figure it out and there's no adjustment and it becomes stagnant, stagnant. And then he gets fired. I, I just, the, it, he doesn't have a, long history of being able to adjust well when teams figure him out. So it, it, it's tough to predict that it will happen here. I am probably, if you asked me today, I would probably say I'm on the, we could use a fresh look in 2022 train, but I totally hear what you're saying. And I, I you, you got to have a, a name in mind before you just go replacing people. Like firing people just for the sake of firing them. That's, you know, that's what losing football teams do. That's what the lions do. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the rest of the season is going to be a good chance for him to show what he can do. We, he's, I think he's been always been known as a really good run game designer and it's part of, and, and the Ravens run game has it's, it's continued to go this season. Yeah. Partially because of Lamar Jackson's ability to just scramble and pick up yards all the time, but Roman's done a good job I and mean, we had a lot of good long drives that we sustained in this game. And part of that was because he's, he is one of the better run coordinators in the NFL, 
But the problem is I just feel like his he's just not as sharp with his route concepts and route designs in the passing game. And I think, you know, the rest of the season, you know, that is going to be where he has to where he has to show that he can improve, that he can scheme guys open, because that's the biggest thing. It's not you can't just expect your receivers to win every matchup or be able to read the zone defense on their own and find the right spot. You have to find ways to scheme guys open that aren't just bubble screens and little flat checkdowns. It's got to be more than that. And this is, this will be his chance because no one can say he doesn't have the weapons. And with the Ravens offensive line, they have ever right now, if every reason to move to a much quicker passing attack that focuses on getting the ball to our playmakers and getting them in space rather than, kind of some longer developing routes, deep crossers, a lot of goes, we're going to have to make an adjustment. And I think that's the one I think that would make or break Roman's tenure in Baltimore is can we transition ourselves to a bit more of a quick passing offense that, that, that worked more against the Sears than anything else. When we were running that quick passing offense, we were hitting underneath mid-level crossers and letting them run after the catch. That was when the Ravens did best. And let's see if he can keep that up the rest of the season. Yeah, it's not just even about scheming guys open. It's about scheming your best guys open. You know, uh, we mentioned before Rashad Bateman, 45% of snaps yesterday, one target. I mean, he's your first round pick. And I know Harbaugh had his press conference today and he said his quote about, you know, uh, when you start doing that and you start chasing targets for guys, that's when you lose. At the end of the day, come on, man. He's your number one pick. (laughs) You target him once. And meanwhile, Pat Ricard, how many designed pass routes did he have yesterday where he was? Hey, there will be no Pat Ricard slander on this podcast. Absolutely. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I love Pat Ricard. He's one of my favorite Ravens of all time. But at the end of the day, he's your number one pick, man. You got to you got to design plays for him. You got to get him open and you got to get the ball in his hands. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. Patrick Ricard announced that he wanted to play receiver every snap the rest of the season, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for that <laughs> level of chaos and just see what opposing defenses can try and do about it. But seriously, back, back to, back to Bateman in all seriousness, I'm very much with you. His snap count was low. It feels like the transition to the quick passing game is where he, he, he figures in. He beats guys off the line of scrimmage. That's kind of the thing he's best at is just beating them off the scrimmage with his releases and with his just quick route running. And I think that is a space where Roman can be say, can say, okay, let's, let's get him some snaps. I mean, again, no one's rooting. No one's looking for the Ravens to necessarily tank here, but yeah, let's develop some of our young guys. I mean, and, and not just, not just Bateman Duvernay is getting a lot of work, which I am happy to see. I like to see that. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Tyler Wallace, a little more, a bit more James Proshi, making sure it doesn't come at the expense of Bateman, but mixing it up a little bit more and just seeing what we have because Every little bit of extra information we can get about these guys helps us, whether it's preparing for next year or maybe we dangle someone in a trade because we do kind of have a surplus of wide receivers at the moment. And, you know, saying that, of course, they're all going to get injured next year. But, uh, of course, now that I've said that, I hope not. I'm knocking on wood. Oh, God. I was going to say, whatever wood's around, you knock on it. But, you know, th- I think that's that's one thing is is seeing what – and I think Proshi. Proshi's got really reliable hands. He doesn't have – long area quick like that deep deep shot speed but he's got that short area quickness that i think again can be effective in a short passing game and he is maybe the most reliable hands out of all of our wide receivers so i just think mixing mixing it up in the passing game is going to be key to roman keeping his job 
Yeah, unfortunately, I, I just I feel at this point like the ship has kind of sailed on Prochet. And it's not to speak, uh, you know, it's not his fault by any means. He had a great camp. Uh, it just, I don't know, it just seems like he's not really in the team's plans. And I would be shocked if he was here again next year and they were just, you know, letting him rot on the bench. So, I don't know. I feel like the the Prochet in Baltimore thing may be over. But, yeah, to your point, it's about, yeah, Tylen Wallace, all these young guys. Yeah, get him in there, man. Especially, I mean, we have a big fat contract that's coming up in Lamar Jackson, and we're not going to be able to pay guys to come in here. We're going to need young guys to step up. So why not see what you have with the ones that are already in your building? I mean, that's my thing about Prochi. I think Boykin's gone after this season. I don't know. I don't know if we've reached on Sammy Watkins or not, but I don't see us making any big pickups wide receiver wise. And so I'm comfortable going into next season if it's if it really is Brown, Bateman. Duvernay, Proshi, Wallace as our five receivers, that's not great. But looking at kind of the state of a lot of other positions and how well those guys have played this year, I'm okay with that. And so moving on to the uh, back to practice award. I mean, the first one, let's, let's talk about Lamar Jackson here. We talked about confidence earlier. What other notes did you have that Lamar Jackson needs to work on? We talked about confidence and that, that indecision in when he's, when he's behind the line of scrimmage on what he wants to do with the ball. I, I think that's it. I mean, he, his running is still good. I would like to maybe see him be a little quicker to take off than he has been, uh, but maybe more like he was in 2019 because he's still running for a lot of yards. It, it feels like now it's a, a little more designed, I guess. But yeah, I, I just, I would like to see him not hold the ball as long and be more firm in his decisions and also not feel like he has to do it all on every single play. Like, he's just got to take a deep breath in the huddle sometimes, man. You know what I mean? It's indecision. Mm -hmm. It's the pressure. It's, it's just all of that like mounting on him. And I think it's resulting in a lot of these bad decisions he's making. I think if he just takes a deep breath and like chills out a little bit, I mean, even now, like we see him slamming his helmet on the ground and stuff. This wasn't stuff we were seeing in, you know, 2019 and last year. Now, granted, it's not going to happen when you're going 14 and two, but like even even in the <laughs> Those playoff were the loss, days. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh God, it feels like an eternity ago. But um, yeah, like just keep your composure, chill out, and play your game, and don't overthink it too much. You know. Yeah, and, and you know this isn't this isn't meant as a slight to Lamar. He's obviously a really really smart guy, but he's got to play chess, not checkers. And this is a little shout out to my dad. This is one of his favorite sayings, but you got to play chess, not checkers. You got to think not just what you want to do on first down. You got to think what you're going to put yourself into on second and third down. I mean, I feel like the Ravens kind of monster this year is just play survive. And, and, and Lamar has got to think more just survive than turn every play into a highlight. And, and I, I get where he's coming from all the injuries, all the expectations on him and, and the weight that's on his shoulders as this team's best player, one of the best players in the league. I totally get it. It can't be easy, but at the same time, you have to take a deep breath. Remember it's a team, it's a team game and it's a 60 minute game. You can, especially early in the game, you can only lose the game early. You cannot win it. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we saw him settle down on that last drive. We saw him dial in, stand in the pocket under pressure and just make throws. And it was maddening because where was it the whole game? It's, it's all, it's, it's almost like this whole season. You just have to put all the pressure on him in order to bring out the best. And I get that pressure creates diamonds, but 
Lamar Jackson, you are already a diamond. You don't need any more pressure. Yeah, no, he he definitely doesn't. Other than that, I mean, tackling was tackling was rough, but it just hurts me to talk about tackling being rough in a game where we had Marlon Humphrey get out, like lose Marlon Humphrey for the season. Brandon Stevens looked like he got banged up on a tackle. I mean, most of these guys are hurting, and especially in the secondary, which is where most of the missed tackles were. So I can't, I can't really bring myself to harp on that, harp on them for that here. I, I, I think the biggest thing in this team is just Lamar. Yeah. Uh, the pass rush wasn't great yesterday, probably either. I mean, OA had a decent game, but I mean, on those long balls, he had a lot. Ben Roethlisberger had a lot of time back there. Uh, it was a even, quiet, even the, quiet even night. the one that Deontay dropped as well. Yeah. A lot of time. Quiet night from Bowser, who's been hot recently, and from Houston. I think that's going to be a blip in the radar. I, th- mm. I also think without Marlon Humphrey, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be blitzing the wazoo out of the rest of the teams. And I think one way or another, we're going to be generating a lot of pass rush. If that means we get burned for our, on deep routes or on you know quick uh, hit and goes or something like that, so be it. I think Wink's going to kind of be willing to live and die with that because you look at the personnel you have now and you're not going to be able to just drop it back into coverage every, every play anymore. Well, I'm kind of curious because it could go that way. It could go the way of, well, we've got to really manufacture a lot of pressure now. But at the same time, do you wonder if they maybe, you know, sit back and zone a little more? Because when you're rushing all these guys, you're putting any corners that you have out there on an island with these receivers. So I think you know? I think that's more of a matchup thing with quarterbacks. You know, I'm not I don't want to go against Rodgers uh, or Stafford, really McVay in zone, for example. Burrow, I don't know. Burrow's I mean, Burrow's legit. And so I wouldn't be super comfortable dropping back against them in zone. But we may not have the match straight up matchups across the board, even if we double cover chase against against the Bengals. So we might need to. And, and the Browns just don't have good enough receivers for us not to play more man I think I'm still okay with Averett or Westry on on Landry if uh if if one of them I assume by that game by next will still be healthy for that game um I'm okay with uh, I'm okay with that because their other receivers don't really scare me so I could see it maybe against the Steelers and maybe against the Bengals but I think it's tough to try and do that against McVeigh or Aaron Rodgers yeah and the Browns too yep so moving on to the Newcomer of the Week Award, which is hereby named the Devonta Freeman Newcomer <laughs> of the Week Award. I mean, talk, talk about a free agent addition. We talked about him earlier. He's been he – was, he was just solid out of the backfield. There, you know, the run blocking this season, we've talked about it, hasn't been as good in the past with the injuries. Ben Powers is – you know, I still don't think he's getting the job done, but now we can't even put Phillips in at left guard. And Freeman, one, prevents plays from being losses a lot. And two, he has been the most reliable pass catching back we've had in years. I honestly can't remember the last time we had a guy who was so reliable catching passes out of the backfield because he's really good at catching the ball in stride and just taking off. Ray and Rice. He, maybe. I mean, it, it was Ray Rice-esque. A lot of those running after the catch and just kind of darting between two collapsing defenders like uh, – like you're, uh, you know, one of those movies where the uh, spaceship is escaping the big, the bigger spaceship as it slowly closes. Mm-hmm. The, the Star Wars scene where, where they're escaping <laughs> the worm's mouth. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> and Freeman seems to do that all the time. And so obviously we're naming this award after him from here on out. Uh, Odafe Oe, like you mentioned, had another nice game. He is continuing to be a, 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 a great piece of this defense. And, you know, I think I, I hope he develops enough 
over the offseason and, and really turns into a first-round pick. Because he's, he's playing like a first-round pick in his rookie season right now. I want him to play like a first-round pick for his career, if that makes sense. A guy who you look back and you're like, yeah, there's a reason he was picked in the first round. Odafe yeah. Owe. Yeah. He's, and then he's the other guys. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, he's playing like the 31st pick in the first round. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that's great. Like, you know, yeah, that's a, a sure. lot of guys. A lot of guys can't even do that. But you want him to become a, a game record. You want him to become a guy like TJ Watt that the Steelers have, honestly, that just you can unleash. And the other guy I have is Sammy Watkins just coming in clutch after, you know, struggling big time against uh, the Dolphins. That was, that was a rough game for him. And I feel like he's bounced back the last couple of weeks and came in clutch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would probably go Watkins just because I had Freeman as the Raven of the game. Uh, if, if I wasn't him, it would definitely be the, the Devonte Freeman would be winning his own award again this week. Is what <laughs> I'm trying to say. And it's just so great. You know, like when you think back and it's like the Willis McGahees of the world, the Justin Forsets, these kind of like broken toys who come to Baltimore and play running back and then they get, you know, a second lease on life and Freeman is just the latest one. And it's awesome to see uh, Watkins. Yeah. Second week in the last three that he's made a really clutch play at the end of the game should have won us the game yesterday. You know, things happened how they happened, but uh, yeah, Watkins has done pretty much exactly what any reasonable Ravens fan would have expected him so far. I mean, minus the injury and all that. Just, you know, clutch plays when you need them. Just a nice, solid veteran out there. You're not going to pay an arm and a leg for him, but just gets the job done when you need a play. Good value on the contract, too. Kind of, like you said, exactly what we expected. And, you know, you mentioned the end of the game. You know, what happened happens. And that kind of brings me into the next part, which is the Mile High Miracle Ridiculous Ravens moment of the week. That was just nuts overall, the whole game. Um. I'm not really sure that I could pick out one moment. I think the two-point conversion probably takes it. Uh, it looked like there was a man off sides. That we'll get no, it to, didn't I look like it. The there, next... was. there was. <laughs> <That> <laughs> I think we'll get to in the next segment. Um, but this, this whole game was bananas. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the Steelers punter, Presley Harvin III, punting probably the best punt I've ever seen in my life. I mean, gets it to – to, to dip at a 90 degree angle towards the sideline and go out inside the one nuts, insane hats off to him. I love a good punter. And there was just the, the whole game was hectic. I mean, another one was uh, an incomplete pass that Chuck Clark picked up and ran back on the off chance. It was a fumble and got thrown to the ground by his face mask. And we picked up, there was a 15 yard penalty called on that play. That was another crazy play because the refs didn't blow it dead. And so it was a face mask. And even if they did blow it dead, then it was a late hit. And so either way, it's a penalty. The Steelers crowd was very, very not happy about it, as I'm sure everyone could hear on the broadcast. But it was the right call. But it was it was just a crazy game. Yeah, it, it was nuts overall. My my mile high miracle. It's it's so funny because I hate giving the other team this award, like because it's like the Ravens mile high mirror. But but truthfully, that punt was the best. That was the best punt in NFL history. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything 64 better. 64 yards coffin corner like you will never see that again never yeah because sometimes you see a 64 yarder from your own 20 and you the guy just booms it and, yeah. and it bounces you know, how it bounces it helps him team out it helps his team out but you know to be able to just land it and, and stop it like that i mean that was like watching one of those one of those golf shots 
where, mm-hmm. you know, he lands it, you know, six yards past and to the left of the hole, and it just rolls all the way back exactly like he planned. Can't imagine that. And then go figure, that's the drive. The Ravens go 99 yards and score a touchdown. Then they can't do anything else the rest of the game until the last drive. <laughs> and and, and that, that that sums up. I mean, that, that's one of the ways the season has gone, right? We, yep. you, you know, you get a punt dropped on you at, at the one-yard line with, with all the injuries. And, and what do you do? Your response is to go 99 yards down the field and score. But then the rest of the game, you're just nowhere. And it's just maddeningly inconsistent. I mean, that's that's been this team this year. Yeah. Moving on to the uh, head scratcher of the week. We talked about the two-point conversion. Obviously, neither of us are scratching our heads about it. We are scratching our heads about missing the offsides on that two-point conversion. I it it just drives me nuts. We talked I talked about it last week with with Taylor that referee accountability is nowhere. I, I just I just don't get it. Everyone else faces everyone else in this league faces the press after every game and just having some someone from the league say, Hey, yeah, we missed that. Some accountability would be great. You know, I know sometimes they're afraid to do that because they don't want it to undermine the refs in their next game or something like that. But missing blatant calls is bad. We talked about where uh, Rashad, where's Rashad Bateman. Uh, so we can skip that. But I can ask, where was Nate McCrary? I was actually kind of looking forward to seeing him. He showed off plenty of juice in the preseason and was pretty much neck and neck with Justice Hill and Tyson Williams for the third running back job. And he would have featured a lot earlier for us if he hadn't gotten claimed by the Broncos and then sat on the bench for three games, which sucks for him because I think he could have featured in this offense for us early. Yeah, he definitely could have. What, he had two carries yesterday? And pretty much both of them, he was met right at the line of scrimmage. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what the uh, whole deal is with that. I I just don't know if they – like I don't know. Like I honestly, I mean, I why know. why activate? For me, it's why activate him? Yeah, as a COVID. I mean, he was a COVID nineteen replacement, so it was a free activation. But whatever. Why activate him if you're just going to sit Tyson down? This this whole thing with Tyson this season, I think, is my biggest gripe with the coaching staff because I just don't get it. There hasn't been much clarity on it in in press conferences. They've been asked about it multiple times, and they just haven't explained. And, and I, I just don't get that. I don't know if there's there's got to be something. There's no way this is just, ah, we, we like Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray the way they're running. Freeman, maybe. Murray's not really doing that much anymore. And y- you got to wonder why, why even activate McCrary if he's not going to play at all and deactivate Williams. Yeah, I think Tyson Williams is probably, you know, cooked at this point, at least in Baltimore. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, to your point, like they're keeping him. So obviously they must not want other teams to have him. I, I think after, what was it, the Cincinnati game, at the end of the game when he ran out of bounds and then Harbaugh said in the press conference, you know, he kind of, in, in some nicer words, kind of dressed him down in terms of, like, you know, not being where he's supposed to be or, you know, putting in the effort. So, I don't know. Yeah, to your point, maybe they just, given the circumstances and given the, you know, how big the game was, they just felt more confident in having the veteran guys in there. But yeah, I don't. If you're only going to carry the guy twice, why even bother? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the uh, unsung. Oh, sorry. Did you have any other head scratchers you wanted to discuss? Um, eh, not so much of a head scratcher, but I'll admit on that fourth down at the end when they kicked the field goal to make it thirteen to nine, I was I was in the pro go for it camp. I just I didn't know how many times they were going to be able to get down that far again. And you just kind of felt 
like Pittsburgh was going to start it, you know, get it going offensively eventually. The, the big the big plays against this defense are inevitable, even when Humphrey was in the game. So I just think it's kind of like at the end, you know, you trust your offense to get two points or two, excuse me, uh, to get two yards and get the first down. So I would have liked that, but I don't think it's a head scratcher because at the end of the day, everything in that situation says kick the field goal, take the four point lead. But I just, you know, knowing the Ravens and this iteration and how much they enjoy going for, you know, fourth and shorts, I'm surprised they didn't take the plunge there. Yeah, I think one thing with our offense this year is it's so based on momentum. And, and that sucks, but it's all about if we get going on a drive. It, there aren't a lot of drives where we get two or three first downs and then fizzle out. Very rarely. Usually it's we get one, maybe two first down, we fizzle out. But if we get three or four, we're usually going to score on that drive. Most le- and, and at this point with our offense, like you said, those scores just need to be touchdowns. I mean, I, I don't like keeping Justin Tucker off the field, uh, you know, because he's so reliable. But at the same time, yeah, I think hindsight is a bit bit more 2020 in this case. But mm-hmm. I'm always a proponent of being aggressive on fourth down. I, I always think that you have more to lose by just settling for the field goal, uh, especially when your offense is struggling so much. Yep. Um, so moving on to the unsung hero award that we introduced last game. I have three guys I want to talk about here. Devin Duvernay had a solid game. I mean, 61 yards on two kick returns. You know, if you think about it, that's that's getting us, you know, five extra yards, basically, when, when he takes the ball out of the when he when he returns a kick, he's basically getting us five, five extra yards than just a touchback almost every time. Mm-hmm. He was key on that last drive. He had a key, I think, uh, 20 plus yard catch on the last scoring drive. And I think one area he's improved in this year is run blocking. I, I just feel like he's been more committed in run blocking, especially since he's in motion so many times on a lot of these run plays that, you know, he doesn't just fake the run on the other side of the play, but whatever guy's chasing him, he tries to turn around and give him a block. And, you know, that, that effort, I think to me is big. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm excited about, about Duvernay's future um, is because he's got that effort. Jimmy Smith, it was up and down. He got targeted a couple times in that game just because he was playing off coverage on, I think it was Deontay Johnson, but reminder that he's playing through an injury and he played tough. I mean, he was jumping in against the run with reckless abandon. And, you know, I think I'm not sure how much of a future there is with him in Baltimore now, since he just can't stay healthy anymore. Um, but I think he deserves a little bit of credit because he's, and, and I mean, maybe this is just wishful thinking for me to motivate him a little bit. Cause He's going to be big if we're going to try and make a run down the stretch. And Geno Stone, I felt like this is another game where he stepped up. You know, when Brandon Stevens came off the field, it was Stone that was replacing him. And Stone already plays a lot of rotational snaps. But I wasn't too worried when Stone went on the field just because I feel like he is the kind of consistent rotational safety that we have produced so many times over so many seasons in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would probably, with this award, I'd probably go Jimmy. Just because, you know, I love the guts from him. He's He's been a constant on this team for so long. If for no other reason, I'm going to give it to him because who knows how much time we have left with Jimmy Smith. So I'm going to give him his flowers now rather than years from now when he's uh, no longer with the team. Uh, Duvernay, he's another one more and more every week. They're, they're putting more in there for him. Even, uh, you know, he's even on the play where he didn't get the ball, the one we mentioned before, that really nice inside handoff to Freeman. He was the reason that play worked. Any, you know, anytime they send Duvernay across in the backfield, their pro- defense is probably going to assume he's getting the ball. So mm-hmm. just that fake alone allowed the great rush there. You mentioned his kick returning. 
it's awesome. Uh, yeah, but I would probably I would go Jimmy just because for every everything he's had to battle through just in his whole career in Baltimore, really with the injuries. I mean, you remember when he first got drafted, there were the character concerns that caused mm-hmm. him to fall. Nothing has ever been easy for Jimmy Smith, and it, it almost kind of feels as much as you feel bad for him. At the same time, it's like you wonder if he would ever have it any other way because that's what's got him up to where he is now. He's a Raven. He, he's a he's one. I think one of the pl- the players that to me when I think about the stretch between the Super Bowl win and the arrival of Lamar Jackson, Jimmy Smith is one of the guys that comes to mind as just one of the most notable players. I mean, I know he battled injuries all of those seasons, um, but just one of the guys that to me really embodied the ethos of the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, there was that that stretch there. What was it? You know, we'll say like 15, 14, 15, 16, 17 kind of era. He was one of the best man corners in football, potentially the best at one point. So Jimmy's the man. Uh, I Who knows what's going to happen for him after this season. But, uh, you know, we'll give him his roses now. Now, looking forward to next week, we're playing the Browns again. We talked about this when we recapped the Browns game. That 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 get it, them getting that bye week is a pretty crazy competitive advantage that I haven't seen before. And I don't think any team deserves to have to go through that like the Ravens are going to have to. But we're going to have to win this game. I think, you know, losing to the Steelers, we have to win this in-division game um, and hope that the Browns can make. And, 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 and that's big because the Browns have beat the Bengals already this season. And um, if they beat them again and we've beaten the Browns twice, that's huge for the tiebreakers with us if we tie the season series up with Cincy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, we're, we're in a position where all of these tiebreakers are going to matter. And while every game matters from here on out, I think if we win out against the division and lose to both of the NFC teams, we're in the playoffs. To me, I think that almost yep. guarantees our spot in the playoffs. Then so these divisional games are, of course, more important than the other games. And, uh, uh, you know, I, the other thing is just not dropping two in a row. I think is something that is huge for this team, not letting multiple defeats stack up and really get that feeling of doom over the locker room. We need to bounce back. And the biggest thing for me next week is going to be Lamar. He threw four picks against Cleveland last time. He had another rough week this week and he's going to have to be, you know, he's going to have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney chasing him again. How is he going to cope? And kind of on that same note, how is Roman going to, how is Roman going to fix it? Yeah, it's funny. I almost mentioned that before, but we ended up moving on uh, in terms of the last five games of the season. The emphasis is on the three division games. If you win those three and your 11 wins, you're, you're, you're probably going to win the division. I'd be very shocked if they didn't. If, if you can find a way to sneak one by the Rams or the Packers, that's just gravy. But mm-hmm. those are the three games they have to focus on. I'm going to be honest with you. I know I shouldn't, but I kind of really like the Ravens this week, and I think they're going to win – not handily, but I think that they may maybe a little bit like last time where it feels like they have the game in hand the whole time and that they just win. And maybe that's just the Homer in me. And I'm, I'm sure I'm probably a nutcase for thinking like this, but I just, I don't know. It, it Lamar has got to correct himself. Eventually he's way too good of a football player. He's way too talented to keep playing like this. I guess I'm banking on this is the week where he finally realizes, like we've said a few times in this podcast, that he's got to take a deep breath. He's got to chill. Hopefully losing Humphrey doesn't lead to more of that to where he feels like he has to do even more. I just, I think 
when when the Ravens are tested like this and when they're down and when everyone's, you know, looking to bury them, this is when they play their best football. I think that that will happen again this week. I don't think the Browns have been – you can't it, – it, it's impossible to have corrected all the problems that the Browns were facing with one bye week. Even mm. though even though you get the same opponent, I mean, Baker Mayfield's shoulder, that's not going to heal in a week. Jack Conklin – or uh, was, it, was it Conklin? What was it, it was Conklin. It was Conklin. He's not coming back. Like, I just – I still I trust this defense at least against the Browns. Exactly. Is, is, is the big thing. Yes. And and at that point it is going to come down to the offense and the Browns they, they do have a they do have a pretty good defense and uh, it's it's a good test to see if Jackson can just settle down. I I don't I I'm, no one's asking for a 300 yard three touchdown performance from you against the Browns because I don't think we'll need that. Uh the Browns, you know, we we really run the ball pretty effectively against them. And so I think it's just more about consistency, taking care of the ball and building your confidence back up. Yeah. And I uh, throw the ball to Bateman. Like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as objective about it, I guess, as I could, because at the end of the day, Harbaugh was right. You can't just, you, you get the Odell Beckham problem when you start just chasing targets for specific guys every week. At the end of the day, the guy's got to be more involved. It's probably going to be Denzel Ward on Hollywood for the majority of the game this week. So Bateman's going to have plenty of opportunity. I mean, there's no reason that he shouldn't have a big bounce back week and shouldn't be schemed to have a big bounce back week. Yeah. And I think the other thing is the big thing I want to see is red zone usage from Bateman. Mm-hmm. Partially that's, I selfishly want him to get his first touchdown. Um, but I also think that that is, you know, teams know Mark Andrews is the guy in the red zone. They know it. And, and Watkins. And while Hollywood is not as great in the red zone necessarily as he, as he is when he has more space to work with on the field. He still gets a lot of attention. And, you know, I think it's a shot for Bateman to kind of show up his ability to go up and catch the balls. He's, he's got some of the best hands on this team and hopefully he gets it next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I sure hope so. Cause the fact that he hasn't doesn't have one touchdown yet is ridiculous. When you look at the amount of first downs he has. <laughs> All right, Ron. Well, any uh, final thoughts on that uh, pretty tough game yesterday? Yeah, it was rough, and I know it feels like the sky is falling right now. I mean, we all had our doomsday moment yesterday, but the sun is going to come up tomorrow. The Ravens are still the Ravens. They're tough as ever. They're going to do what they have to do one way or the other to figure this thing out in at least a manageable way before the season ends. I would be very shocked if it's just a full-on collapse from here on out. I am in the camp of they're going to pull it together. They're going to find a way to win three of the last five. I don't know who it's going to be a bet against, but I'm feeling okay. And like we mentioned before, at this point, just enjoy the ride. You know, agreed, agreed. I think just enjoy the rest of the season. In a way, we have a lot to be thankful for. I mean, just being competitive with all of this is something with all of the injuries from the start of the season that have continued throughout the season. Just being competitive at all right now is is something to be proud of. And, and to be proud of this team and the whole organization. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, part of it is just, this is football. This is what happens. You just, you just get really bad injury luck. And, you know, as a fan base and, and as you know, people who, who care a lot about this team, you're absolutely right. Enjoy the ride and just, you know, enjoy what you can out of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have put it better myself. Cause I do. All right, Ron. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ron, thanks so much for joining me once again. It was great to have you back on the pod.
Oh, dude, my pleasure. You know, it's always a blast when we get to sit here and chat it up through victories and, and losses. And thank you so much to our listeners. We hope you're uh, do, all doing well after that loss, and we hope to see you back next week to recap the Cleveland Browns game, hopefully after a win. <laughs>